Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico from the Made in China podcast and Source Asia. We have a special episode. I feel like I've been saying that a lot recently. I think the podcast is just, uh, just we're just getting better and better guests, guys. We're growing up, better quality. Um, no, I'm joking. We've always had good guests, um, but you know, this is a very special episode for me personally, just because it's been a long time coming. Uh, it ended up being it's going to be two episodes actually. Because it was a two-hour conversation, uh, but I got the chance to speak to Nick Ramil. He is part of the founding team at Brink.io. Uh, they're a startup accelerator in Hong Kong that deals with IoT products, um, Internet of Things. He's also the co-founder of EnterChina, and I've talked about that a lot on the podcast. I think I've talked about how EnterChina basically... Nick is, you know one of the main reasons I came to China, <laughs> like it's, it's kind of crazy, you know, cause he said these YouTube videos with his partner, Tim at the time. And, you know, I came across them f- through a forum online talking about travel and business. And, you know, at the time I didn't know what I was going to do. And I ended up watching all of their videos and ended up deciding to come to China and join enter China, the, the group and meet Nick. And, you know, he comes, he becomes somewhat of a mentor for me. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's cool that you know while he's still a he's still a mentor just because he's had tremendous success and he's he's ahead of me it's cool to be seen as a peer as well um and you know when i have these conversations with him now it's like there's more of a mutual understanding a mutual respect and then i'm obviously trying to pick his brain about you know how i should be structuring my business moving forward but i think for anybody that's interested in doing business in China, anybody that's doing business in China, this is going to be a very, very interesting episode. We talked about everything from, you know, life and business structure, growth, uh, the positive, negative mindsets, good habits, uh, his relationships with his previous business partners, you know, how he, the lessons that he took from that and jumped into Brink, the future of Enter China, because he's becoming more and more involved with EC. And this is the first episode where I went in depth in terms of why I stepped down from EC and why we still have a good relationship. So yeah, lots of stuff to look forward to in this episode. And this is going to be part one. Part two will be out in two weeks. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. When you meet someone that doesn't know you at a cocktail party, for example, or some other setting, how do you answer the question, what do you do? You know, that's a very good question. Uh, I've simplified it a lot from from back in the day, but now it's just I, I support and invest in entrepreneurs. And that normally opens the door to a lot more questions, but mm-hmm. in its simplest form, that is exactly what I do every single day. How many times did somebody ask you that question before you came up with the like the perfect one-liner? <laughs> it's been years, and I'm still working on it because the you know I always the follow-up question is always some the variations are always different, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I still gotta learn to position and message it a bit better. Clearly, I'm just I'm just trying to build up to a stage where I just answer and say like I'm Batman, and then you know <laughs> really serious and straight-faced. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I would love to. 
it, it depends on the atmosphere too, mm-hmm. right? Uh, especially like you know, there's if if I'm with investors or I'm with investments or it's a social atmosphere or I'm speaking, like it it all depends on the audience and and that will help me. I will tailor my answer, but the fundamental base would be that. I have to ask. Obviously, you're in Hong Kong. Um, you know, I think for when somebody hears about what you do as they listen to this podcast, they might be questioning like, why not Silicon Valley, New York, or Shanghai? Um, I know why from a personal perspective, and I've talked about that on the podcast. But uh, what value do you see running a, an IoT accelerator in in Hong Kong? Yeah, dude we we get this question a lot, and if you're in a physical product business and you're planning to make this business reach scale, true scale, you know, five-figure units, six-figure units, and then eventually seven-figure units a year type of thing, uh, there's really nowhere else you can do this as quickly or as good or as efficiently at the same price as China. Mm-hmm. And you know, Hong Kong, we're 45 minutes away from Guangdong, you know, Shenzhen, obviously, for IoT manufacturing, as you know, it's the electronics hub. Uh, we've had our investments. They leave around lunch. They can go audit factories. They can go source components. They can go uh, do quality control and logistics inspections and then be back by dinner time in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a great alternative. Like, so being based in Manhattan, mainland is fantastic for what mainland's good for which is manufacturing Mm -hmm. but when it comes to the quality of life when it comes to the uh, incorporation when it comes to the ability to travel you know quickly to in and out as hong kong is a hub when it comes to the openness of the internet Mm -hmm. and just the marketing ability and overall the talent pool in hong kong there's a lot of international talent here Uh, we've seen more and more IOT companies and businesses set up shop here and yeah just that there's nowhere closer than here that is tolerable for a lot of our investments uh, to spend long-term stints right and when you're in the early stages of building up your IOT business I'm talking you know before you're doing I want to say 50 or 100,000 units a year like the ability to go to that your manufacturer at any given time or have access to the resources that only China has. It's it's pretty invaluable. I mean, this is speed, right? Startups win with speed. Mm-hmm. And being here, it's the the fastest place you can be while not being all the way inside mainland China where your manufacturing is happening. Do you think uh, you you touched on something there? You said that a lot of IoT businesses are now coming into Hong Kong as well. Do you think that part of that is because of Brink's success? over the few years I would like to say that (laughs) Uh, I don't know if it's the truth or I don't know if it's the main motivator but I know our brand has grown very strongly over the past few years I mean you know when we were when we started we were just four guys in a in a co-working space in a little office you know you know now we're about 30 people have two programs three offices going to be four offices around the globe uh you know our portfolio now has you know 15 plus investments we engage with 20 plus teams like i feel that it's becoming more recognized that you're able to the a lot of people i'm sure you've got this too they think china and hong kong are the same thing Mm -hmm. like 
no joke, one of my supplement providers, they would use FedEx to Hong Kong, and then when I tried to order the the next uh, the next time, like two three weeks later, uh, they like doubled the price and quadrupled the duration. Because, and I emailed them and asked why, and they were like, oh, well, because we've had been having problems with China, you know, shipping and logistics there. And I literally had to break down the difference of how, you know, couriers change. It changes, it changes uh, possession with couriers when it goes into mainland China. But if you're doing it direct to Hong Kong, it's end to end, right? And it's like, you know, like still today, people think it's the same thing when they're, they're very different. Yeah. So even uh, even sending even though like I'm in Guangzhou which is 2 hours away from Hong Kong. So it, the distance isn't really that much of a difference between if I'm sending a package from here to Toronto uh, versus Hong Kong to Toronto, but it's cheaper to send it through, you know, DHL Hong Kong. It's just like a different system. It's a completely Yeah, you know, I mean logistic logistically Hong Kong is it's it's one of the best logistics hubs in the world. There's a ton of uh third-party logistics companies uh here mm-hmm. that you know there's flow ship there's easy ship these startups that are disrupting the logistics space uh because it is such a competitive hub to ship things out of so yeah uh well i you know what i do think brinks brand brinks brand is getting bigger and we've seen a lot more iot startups come here it's it's just great to see overall like you know the the, the saying like all ships rise together sort of thing mm-hmm. um the more awareness, the more exposure, uh, the better for everybody who's in the space. Nice. So I want to ask a question about your personality because one thing that I, I always th- – the first thing that struck me, I guess, when I first went to your office in, in Hong Kong was obviously the office is, is amazing. You know, it's, it's <laughs> top floor. You. It's huge. And I'm like, All right, you know, Nick's doing his thing. But I, like you – I was expecting to literally go in. And at the time, I think I'd just been running SFA for about two or three months. I was expecting you to just come in and say hi, check out the office, and leave. You know, I wasn't expecting to sit down with you for an hour and then you kind of like give me actionable advice that really did <laughs> help with my business at the time. I was like, I don't, I didn't think that the the trade off was worth it for you. I was like, and I didn't want to bother you. So, uh, and I and another thing is like I know a lot of people that know you always say like Nick is super confident, he's, you know, he's a strong speaker. That's and true. All that stuff. <laughs> Why do you take so much time to help people, even though it would be completely fine if you just told people that you were busy, like no one would judge you for it. Yeah, man. Uh, well, first of all, really, really appreciate the question, yeah. uh, but and appreciate the feedback, man. And and for me, well, first of all, I realized this. Uh, I think last year, like, you know, to be honest and, and just doing some personal reflection and stuff like my parents were that that's how I was raised. It was just always giving back. And I mean, if you have the ability and opportunity to help someone, why would you not? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I feel that a lot of the people I idolize or follow or, you know, and I'm talking extremely successful uh, entrepreneurs like it's it's the give you know the give more get more mentality and I'm never thinking of the getting and uh, I mean I still remember this meeting too man I remember the topics we discussed and mm-hmm. I remember you know talking through them and uh, you know thinking about next steps and things you should or should not do and mm-hmm. for me it's just why you know I can I control my time so it, when you coming in there if I see when 
so the whole reason behind Brink, right, and the whole reason behind Enter China, mm-hmm. the the reason these kind of businesses started is to support founders to help them reach their goals faster and avoid, you know, like we can't help them avoid potholes or the little things, but we can help them, you know, every, and, and founders are strong-minded. They're going to do the things the way they want to do, but if we can help them avoid uh, the major mistakes, you know, the, the big cliffs or, you know, falling into the ditch or what, what you will, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just why, why would we not? Like, I don't know, an, an hour or any, you know, arbitrary amount of time to save you the amount of time I know it took me to do things, it's eh, it's just a no-brainer for me, dude. And yeah, that goes that goes right back to, uh, you know, my mother who was part of the Ronald McDonald House charities for pretty much my entire childhood growing up, and then seeing my father just always giving back to our family and and my grandparents. So mm-hmm. that that's just that's who I am. And yeah, as I said, for me, it's just. If, if there's an opportunity to do something, why why would you not? And, and you're not the first person. Uh, numerous people always ask why, you know, why give the time or why do this? And my response is just why would I not? Mm-hmm. I remember specifically what the, the, the major thing that seems so obvious now. But at the time, um, because of Mike's crowdfunding experience, you know, we got a couple of people that wanted us to help consult on their crowdfunding campaigns. And uh, I remember just basically you said to me, like, focus on becoming the best sourcing company possible. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, why would you split your focus in, in doing two completely different businesses at the same time? And mm-hmm. you, you told me, like, that's one of the biggest mistakes that new entrepreneurs make where they start making income from one thing and then they jump into something else before they've actually systemized and optimized their main business. Um, yep. so yeah I mean that was like I remember literally the next week sitting down with Mike and being like man I, I don't want to do the crowdfunding thing let's just focus on sourcing and then yeah that was that was crucial and, and now I look back and I'm like that would have been insane if I was trying, <laughs> if I was trying to if I was trying to consult yeah. on crowdfunding campaigns because it's so different yeah. like it's so different well like, yeah man it, it blows my mind the amount of I'm not gonna name any investments or entrepreneurs or founders or, or people I know by name but uh, you know put anybody on blast yep. but you know the people who you know they work so hard to make that first one ten hundred thousand dollars and then once they do you know they're immediately figuring out how to go do that somewhere else when they haven't even you know if you look at any businesses today no matter how niche or focused it is like if you are one of the best at it, it, it all comes down to your goals, mm-hmm. right? If you can, depending on where your goals are, then and if you can become the one of the top, you know, ten percent, top five percent in your space, you will always have customers, right? If you deliver value to your customers, you will always have customers. But so many people, you know, they get distracted. Us, you know, us as Brink and us as my old business partners and us as Enter China. Same story, you know. It's just there's always going to be new opportunities to go try, and there's going to be new trends that seem super big and exciting, and everybody, you know, oh, it's so easy. But like anything, I mean, I, I like like walking, like eating well, like going to the gym, traveling, light, you name it. There is a there is a process to mm-hmm. do things right, and it's the same when you build a business. 
if you are building a business in a space you've never built it before, you do not know the process. You may have read about it. You may have friends who've done it successfully who can advise you. But at the same time, until you're actually in the driver's seat, you know, if, if you've never gone to the destination you want to go with this business and you don't have a map, but you have people kind of telling you where to go versus, you know, having gone to that destination before with your first business and now the, the goal is to just make more trips there. Like there's obviously one that's a better choice and more efficient. But yeah, again, people, human nature, man, everybody gets super distracted. So mm-hmm. it's always, I always believe in focusing and just when, when you've hit either your goal or you believe you've hit, you know, uh, the, the largest scale you can get to then start to expand. But until you're, you're an expert, uh, in, in that first business you've started, then there's no real need to look anywhere else. So that being said, I, I guess this is kind of connected, but what are some things that you wish you'd spent less time on when you first started out? Oh man. Uh, how long do we have? <laughs> uh, you, know, you know, our, so for me, it was just the lack of focus and, and don't get me wrong. Uh, I always get asked, you know, if I could change one thing, I, I would change absolutely nothing like from like like where I'm sitting in this apartment in this chair right now like if I change you know the butterfly effect type thing mm-hmm. I wouldn't change a single thing because it's got me to where I am today that being said I wish I knew how to focus better uh, you know from when we started to where we are I could only imagine where it could be you know mm-hmm. if we had better focused if we didn't get distracted by as many opportunities as we got distracted by you know we were literally at one time i remember trying to build you know five different businesses and non-related niches you know from import to export to uh, manufacturing to like product development and it's like if you're splitting your energy between all of these different businesses you know one you're never going to get very far any given day because you only are dedicated. You know, there is no escaping the time, the time it takes to build a business. Like everybody's always asking for the hacks and the tips and, you know, the, um, the shortcuts and you can't shortcut building a business. I mean, there's definitely efficient ways, but there's no like, you know, just like a way to, to cheat the system. And, and, uh, yeah, just really quickly. It's my, my whole thing is, I'm a big analogy person and it's like if you want to go somewhere is it better to put and you have one tank of gas is it better to put that tank of gas in four cars or one car you know and that's something I see so many people do with their entrepreneurship we call it entrepreneur ADD Mm -hmm. Uh, don't know if that's appropriate or not but the point is it's that lack of focus as yeah the segue right from here from the conversation we had you know focus down and and put it all in into that one idea and, and crush it yeah, I think you're talking about like growth hacks and stuff like that. I remember that at the last DC event, um, <laughs> one of the round tables, I just remember I was talking to one guy and he was just like, yeah, you know, I'm going to do this in two months and then I'm going to be out of China. And I'm like, and you know, growth hacking, growth hacking, bro, trust me. And I'm like, all right, man, all right. <laughs> I, yeah. I told him straight up, like, that's not what happens, but like, you know, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, man, it's just, no, yeah, uh, I would have loved to see more focus, uh, and for me, where I spent less time, uh, I wish I would have spent less time uh, thinking, mm-hmm. 
you know, thinking, is this a good idea? Is it not? Um, thinking, you know, should we go to these trade fairs? Should we go talk to these people, you know, who are obviously businessmen when we had no experience? Like, just you do, and, and then a result happens, and it's a result you want or a result you don't want, and then, you know, you make your next decision from there. But so many people get so caught up in, in the, the thought process. Uh, analysis paralysis, that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who just analyze and analyze and think and think. Because end of the day, man, launching a business, making a commitment, putting in a PO, spending the money, the time, and the resources, people are terrified if it doesn't work out, right? But you, exactly. can't, you can't be like that. It's, this is a choice. It's going to happen, and you've done it correctly or you've done it wrong, and you will – enjoy the consequences positive or negative and and learn from it and keep moving what were one of your earliest uh failures or difficulties when you started off doing business in china and like how did you overcome them our biggest actually not biggest failure our first failure was our first physical product they were tablet cases and this was just like a disaster because the manufacturer said they had gotten a sample when the reality is this was before these certain tablets came out and they said they had early access to a sample and we believed them and we had cases made to beat the competition Mm -hmm. and then uh, we shipped these cases out to get reviewed and the sample they had had was a non-final sample from this big company so buttons button locations moved speaker moved like pretty much we sent out these cases to get reviewed dude and like the bloggers got back to us like hey we're going to do you a favor and not post this because <laughs> and then they and they sent these photos and it was like oh my like what in the what you know so that was just that was brutal uh and i guess for for us at the time you know we were you know we were fresh out of college so we were, one, we were naive and we didn't know any better. So that was probably, you know, overcoming it. It was, we just, oh, you know, this is part of doing business in China. We thought, you know, little did we know that this was not the reality, but we didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And then the whole, the whole fact where, you know, you only fail if you quit. If you go to, that's like my quote that's on the Brink website. I, I have it in Enter China videos and it's the truth, like, that nobody sees success and failure as choices, right? But the reality is those are, those are choices that you make as an individual. You know, you get to decide where you're going to go. And unfortunately, you know, people, people always have an excuse of, of why they failed, but it's because they've quit. And it's that simple. So what was like the aftermath of that? You just had you guys spent a ton of money on inventory and stuff like that, and then you just we, were... We spent a little bit of money on inventory. Keep in mind, you know, we were we were part time English teachers. Yeah. Uh, and we tried to save a couple between the group of us, there's there's six of us and we tried to scrape up a couple hundred bucks a month between between everybody. And you know, these weren't expensive products. We had mm-hmm. to build a simple website and you know, it was like early stage e commerce, if you will. And we went to the manufacturer and we tried to negotiate and you know, man, they were I'm sure you've talked about it on this podcast how good of negotiators they are. <laughs> you know, it's that we were it was like July or August and we were in their factory. You know, we went in there like they 
said the AC was broken. I doubt it was really broken. You know, we were sitting in this hot room. Like, there, you you know the hot tea that the manufacturer serves you, man. Like, it's like, you think pouring. I wanted, you think I want to drink this hot tea in this hot room right now? And they just keep pouring. <laughs> yeah. And keep pouring. We, and yeah, and it was, and it was hours, hours of back and forth circular conversation. It's a war of attrition mm-hmm. negotiating with Chinese manufacturers. And, uh, Eventually, we met in the middle. They got us some new cases. We were able to turn it around and, act, and and generate some real revenue, which is great. But that first lesson, man, that was just – I still remember seeing the photos the blogger sent us with his super nice camera and just kind of just these WTF photos. You know, like the case when it magnet shut, like the power button was covered, covered by the fake leather of the case. <laughs> you know, just like – like what? Like how is this even a, an attempt at making a product? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure is what he was thinking. Going off of that question, just to change the change the pace a little bit. What was your? What is your proudest entrepreneurial moment to date? Man, uh, are we talking business or personal or just as as an entrepreneur? As an entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, uh, I would have to say. Obviously, you guys know. You know, my family and me are very close. Uh, parents, brothers, sister. Uh, but for me, probably one I, I still remember. I bought my, I, I bought my parents a, a nineteen nine. I think it was nineteen ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine. It was as a Groupon to a restaurant in Portland. I knew they liked, and it had nothing to do with the value, uh, because you know these these past few years I've been able to treat them to much nicer things than this. But it was more the fact. Uh, I was able to spend money on things other than myself and and like my survival. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because China for a very long time, it was it was very much uh, the definition of a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. You know, it was more it was it was all about kind of living uh, as minimalist as we could uh, with as little as we could and uh, to actually uh, be comfortable enough to spend uh money not on myself but on on you know my family who I love and who took care of me uh was made me very happy that and also my brother has the same story of uh the grocery store the I remember I bought a it was in I was in Guangzhou and I remember you know it used to be like you know frozen chicken breast cucumbers apples, oranges, bananas, like, you know, a lot of the cheap but sustainable foods that could fill you up. And then I remember I went and I bought, like, blueberries and smoked salmon and, like, cheese or yogurt or something, you know, stuff that in China is more expensive Mm -hmm. that I never would have thought of buying. Uh, (laughs) We're talking, like, you know, the grocery bill is, like, $50 instead of $20, you know what I mean? But even that, that was like, all right, (laughs) we're doing this. We're doing this. Yeah, I have a I have a similar situation where I took my dad out for for dinner um, last year, and it was like the first time I'd ever done that, uh, you know, and just having a drink with him and just you know just asking him about what he thinks about what I'm I'm, I'm up to, and just he gave me advice. Like I don't get emotional, but I almost cried, you know, I almost uh, shed a tear. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, what what's better? What's better than giving back to the people who gave you everything? Yeah, you know. And uh, and to see how happy and proud they are of you, I, that that as you said, it's like an emotional thing, right? Like I remember 
they were like, oh, like, thank you for this dinner. And it was like, for me, it was like a, it was a, a crowning day. moment. Yeah, it's yeah. like I've sold. We'll get into it later. But I mean, of course, from a peer business perspective, the wine business uh, that getting acquired as an entrepreneur from a business perspective would be huge. Um, Brink's latest acquisition of Enter China that just happened, you know, last month, that would be obviously a big, a big win for me that I'm super proud of. But uh, yeah, I mean, purely, I, I'm much more, I believe, you know, entrepreneurship is much, it's much more than business. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a lifestyle, right? And it is. Yeah. So I yeah, think, I mean, uh, we were talking just before the podcast and you were asking me about my personal life and I was like, this is my personal life. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's so connected. Like, you know, you mentioned enter China. So mm -hmm. let's jump into it. So uh, obviously, you know, people that follow you or know me, I've mentioned into China a bunch of times in the podcast. It used to be the elevator life, right? And yeah. you started off that with Tim, Tim Nibo. Mm -hmm. What uh, what were the main advantages you found after forming a partnership with him? Man, Tim, Tim's Tim's a legend. He just had his uh, birthday last week, mm. actually. So uh, same here. Well, this yeah, week. I remember. I remember. Yours was just a few days ago, right? Yeah, uh, Monday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, Tim's, like, I, one of the smartest people I've met. And, you know, everybody always asks, you know, oh, you know, about Tim and because the, they know the elevator life and the whole into China thing we started together back in the day. So, one, incredibly smart, motivated guy. Uh, and it was great because we were very different people so we could leverage each other's strengths. Uh, but one thing we used to get asked this question a lot and one thing I will borrow from him is that we were able to use each other as a support system and like I vividly remember some years uh, you know like the 20, 2011, 2012 uh, years where it's you know we would again we were naive so we didn't know any better but having literally a couple bucks in our pocket uh, week to week after paying out expenses and things like that you know to live uh, walk in, you know, he'd walk into my room or I'd walk into him room, his room because we were roommates and be like, hey, you know, we're not going home, right? Like, you know, we'd reemphasize that it, it gives you someone to go through the the hard times with and celebrate the successes with, you know, so it's, it's the best of both worlds because, yeah, entrepreneurship, it's, uh, you know, if you don't have a, a partner or a supportive community or, you know, people at least understand it, then it, it's a really lonely road. And I, in an, in an interview I did um, just a few weeks ago, uh, I, you know, I said the same thing where it's, if you're, if you're doing entrepreneurship on your own and it's like your friends aren't interested in entrepreneurship, your family isn't interested in entrepreneurship, your colleagues aren't interested in entrepreneurship, you know, that is, that's that's motivation. That's a motivation killer. Mm -hmm. Like you can only resist so long before you throw your hat in, because every one of those people I just named, you know, they they care about you and they want the best for you. But at the same time, the best and, and the safety and the comfort that's not entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day, it is a risk, and you know, people may not like to see you risk it. So. If, if you don't have the right people around you, which I think is one of the most heavily discounted things that's super important, or then um, you know it's only a matter of time before you before most people give in. Yeah, I mean, what's that expression? You are the average of the five people you spend the most amount of time with. 
Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I look at my best friends from Toronto and we have like this WhatsApp group with like seven, eight of us. And literally every single one of us is pursuing some form of entrepreneurship. Like everybody's running their own businesses or are just starting to run their own businesses. And it's like we feed off of each other. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yep. And I mean, uh, to bring it back to EC, like I joined my first mastermind group in Toronto and I saw EC as the same thing. And that's part of the reason why I joined EC. So it's like if I didn't have a mastermind group in Toronto, maybe I wouldn't have seen the value in something like EC. And the cool thing is you're talking about having a partner. I know a lot of dudes now are, you know, digital nomads and and working by themselves on a computer. Mm -hmm. But like... If you have a community, that's another way to have that, you know, a support system um, where you don't necessarily have a business partner as your support system, but you can mm-hmm. lean on a, a community, especially in China. It's huge. Yeah, man. It's uh, I, again, like I really do believe like entrepreneurship is a if you're on your own out there, mm-hmm. it is a pretty lonely road to travel. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's yeah. And why not? I, I believe in surrounding yourself with people who are you know, um, earlier than you, people who are on the same level and people who are advanced, you know, because then, then you're able to, you know, one, I think being able to teach it to the, to the people at the earlier stages or help them out helps you remember your fundamentals and your basics. Those on the same level, you're able to have, you know, supportive, creative conversation about the next steps. And then those in front of you, you're able to learn and leverage so much from them. You know, and that's the same when I was invited to join the founding team at Brink. Uh, you know, I wasn't sure about it. And then I sat down with the three other founding team members. And I remember they introduced themselves. And I was just like, okay, like, <laughs> I think I'm in a, I think I'm in pretty good company. You know, I was, I was the youngest, I was the youngest there with the least experience who had, who, you know, had grown the smallest business out of everyone. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is, I am in the opportunity spot to learn right now. So I'd be foolish not to, you know, absorb as much as I can these past few years. And I've done just that. And, and to be honest, that's why, you know, jumping back into enter China as I am now, like my, let my business education, uh, and understanding so much higher that we're able to take the community to such a higher level. And it makes me super excited. When you and Tim, started the elevator life uh, was ec the goal was it the end goal? <laughs> <laughs> uh man the elevator life i remember tim had just read a book and it was it was something about building a personal brand i know we wanted to you know create content to share with family and friends and you know make a youtube channel because that's what people were doing mm-hmm. uh, but we never even we had a consulting call uh, you know, and then many consulting goals and then we'd host people in China, but obviously that doesn't scale us cause it still takes our time. Right. So, uh, you know, we didn't think or know to monetize, uh, like create a community around it until a few years later. And this was, you know, when Tim and me, I remember, I remember it was like a few years in, we were like, man, could you imagine if we would have done this a year ago? But, you know, we would have been in a much better position than we are, than we were then uh, at that present time when we were talking about it. But again, like, you can't be mad. Like, the past is gone. This is part of the journey. We've learned it. And we've learned that lesson. And now, you know, we're, we're better and smarter because of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
so long story short, no, this wasn't the end goal, but it, it became the end goal, and now it's it's thriving, you know, and it's, couldn't be more proud. Um, just to clarify, the elev- the elevator life was like the YouTube channel blog, and then yes. that morphed into EC. How do you define what Enter China is? Yeah. So, and really quickly, like again, like remember the oh, this is cool, like. You know the advice I gave you about trying to do two things and build two brands, like yeah, like like I remember Sean Ogle. He was like the Elevator Life. I love the name, and Tim and me spent so long, you know, brainstorming in that name. And he was like, "Oh, I love the name. What the hell does it have to do with China?" <laughs> you know what I mean? And we were both like, we were both like, "Damn it!" <laughs> like, great question. Uh, you know, and then it's like, "Oh, let's build Enter China," and then it's like, "Wait, Elevator Life is connected to Enter China," and it's like, again amateur hour dude like building two things parallel next to each other um with you know without connecting the dots it was mm-hmm. oh so many lessons so many lessons learned uh what is enter china it, i mean it is a it is a quite simply it is you know a content and community platform to support physical product entrepreneurs uh you know by the time this podcast comes out You'll, you know, I would love if we can link to the announcement that's coming out tomorrow about Brink acquiring Enter China. But how I like to see it is, it is in a physical product founder or entrepreneur's uh, content from ideation to product, you know, finished product, and then you know, so we walk you through everything you need to know from beginning to end. You know, literally, I have this idea, I drew it on a piece of paper. What do I do to? thousands of units in your customers hands and you know we've done that and you've supported many of these entrepreneurs too rico mm-hmm. we we you know we've done that countless times and what i think is special is not only is it the content but i mean if you look at the community you know you know as of last week you know we're more than 250 physical product entrepreneurs as a group we've done more than 6 million units shipped you know from and and these 250 entrepreneurs from you know, t- more than 22 countries around the globe you know, it's like if you want to get into a physical product business or space, who better to surround yourself than, you know, surround yourself by than this group of this community, these group of people, right? So yep. I'm sure you've talked about it a bit, but what I love is the, you know, we're the education and we're the support system, and that's super important. Uh, yeah, and just to jump in real quick, I think I've talked about this on the podcast a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously I was a partner of EC last year, and mm-hmm. I decided to step down in December, not because there was any bad blood or anything like that. I just I you know SFA has been scaling, and I just again focus. I just realized that there was absolutely no way, and I could see Enter China also growing. Uh, there's absolutely no way I could dedicate the right amount of time to both businesses, and it's a gift and a curse. I told you to focus. I yeah, guess, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, so again, I'm just I, yeah. The, but yeah, I yeah, mean, man, I'm going to continue to be a part of EC. Like, I love the community, and I like I said to Nick in in the email that I sent him, as I uh, you know, I hope to continue to support and I hope to continue to learn from EC. And I think it's going to be huge. With already is pretty big, but. I think the sky's the limit. Yeah, man. And for me, like, you know, commentating, I mean, we're getting open about it. Uh, you know, it's, there's, you know, of course, part of me was like, well, shoot, now I have a, a gap in the team that I need to fill. But I mean, the, oh, the vast majority of me was like, so happy to see you as an entrepreneur realize, hey, 
this is a problem. I need to because I can't tell you how many how many people try to execute on both as we just talked about, mm-hmm. and then they end up doing both mediocre. So for you to be able to recognize that and take action on it, kudos, man. And and I said this in the email too, and in person, like makes me stoked. And I've seen what you're doing with where SFA is going. And I've seen the way you're approaching the business. And it's like, this is just another, man, you came over here, you know, you, you met your business partner through the community and now you're scaling your sourcing business and you're crushing it. Like what, what is better than that? Mm-hmm. So yeah, again, this is, you know, obviously super happy for, for you and everything that you've been able to accomplish. It's fantastic. Thanks, man. That's it in terms of part one of this amazing conversation with Nick. Stay tuned for part two. Like I said, that's going to be out in two weeks. Um, if you want to reach out to me, that's podcast at sourcefinasia.com. If you want to see some of the show notes, go to the website sourcefinasia.com slash made in China. Drop us some reviews on iTunes if you want, you know, the podcast to continue growing in the way that it's been growing. And yeah, if you want to reach out to Nick as well, I think you can contact uh, support at interchina.co. Care about me and you. I care about.